Today, I'm talking to Tom Galia, who is an inventor. And this is a bit of a different podcast for Who's Flying the Plane, because I've never experienced the work that Tom does. He co-founded something called Luminate, which is a psychedelic meditation, well, it's an app, but it didn't start out as an app. Tom's going to tell me about how everything works and how it all started and what they're hoping to do with it. And then halfway through, we're going to take a break and I'm actually going to experience it for the first time. And then I'll be able to talk about my experience with it after that. So Tom, first off, I want to know a bit about you before you started this. So could you tell me a bit about your studies and how that fed into what you're doing now? and also how you met Jay, the co-founder of Luminate. Um, so I grew up in Singapore and Malaysia, um, so a little bit of a different time growing up, and then went to Liverpool University from, from Singapore, so my parents were still out there. Um, I sort of went into the field of engineering because I really enjoyed applying maths and science to solve complex problems and issues. And I think that's something that sort of carried through even till today. Um, through university, I joined in my final two years a Formula student team where you design and build a racing car. Um, and that was actually where I met Jay, who was the co-founder of Luminate. Um, he at that point was the team lead. And yeah, so it was a team of 15 of us. And we designed and built a racing car, raced it in Hockenheim and Silverstone. And it was a really fun project. From there, uh, me and Jay both ended up getting offers from Jaguar Land Rover to go and help and work in different parts on their grad scheme. Through the grad scheme, it was a whole different, a whole load of different things. The way they run it is you do a couple of engineering placements in different teams, and then you also do some non-engineering placements. So I did one in marketing, for example. Um, through the graduate scheme, we, I started to develop an interest in the idea of doing a far future concept project. And after getting some buy-in from a senior manager, they allowed me to start building and working on that. So um, I launched into this far future project looking at the year 2050 and trying to understand if we understood the basic human needs of what people desired in the future and then worked backwards from those, what would we create instead of saying what technologies do we have and going forwards from that. Um, yeah, from that, they actually let me build my own team and I invited Jay to come and join. So we were living together in a flat at that point. And it was a really fun project. We ended up doing customer workshops in Beijing, in India, um, one in France, and learned a lot about what people desired in the future. And that kind of, that idea of understanding the human needs and the human response behind it kind of feeds into the work that we're doing now as well. Um, from that, we sort of, got a little bit bored of a corporate lifestyle, both of us really. Um, that project was really great, but then when we came to the end of a grad scheme, we got put into a far future concept team, which we were really excited about. It was a new team at Jaguar Land Rover, but we're very quickly aware that we were in the corporate world. So there was a lot of red tape, a lot of blocks, a lot of having to go through the entire management hierarchy when you could just ask the guy sat next to you. Um, it just felt a little bit slow and we weren't really able to we didn't really feel like we were doing much for the world. It felt a bit blocked. So from that, we decided to try and start our own business. How did you come up with the idea, the two of you? Was it this obvious thing for you? Did you have an experience or learn about some science that inspired it? And um, what set you off on the path with uh, Luminate? 
it was actually quite a long journey to get to where we ended up. So we started off, we really wanted to work from a vision of something that really drove us, something we wanted to change in the world. So we started off with a vision of inspiring people to live freer and more fulfilling lives. From that point, we actually split up, me and Jay, and went traveling separately. So I bought a van in Vancouver, Canada, and drove it all the way down to Chile for a year, whilst Jay walked the length of New Zealand. Um, so while we were both out there doing some kind of our own things, really, we interviewed people that we met and tried to understand what freedom and fulfillment meant to them. Uh, we ended up interviewing loads and loads of people from all around the world and we really pulled it down to this idea of personal growth cycles and as you go through these successive personal growth cycles you get this sense that you're moving towards what you want to be moving towards in life and that gives you that sense of freedom and fulfillment. Um, we then looked at what personal growth was and made our own personal growth model um, which at the very start starts with this idea of gaining a fresh perspective so gaining some form of inspiration where you look at things differently. And we really got fascinated by this idea of that sort of spark that leads into this personal growth cycle. And we started to take a bit of a deep dive into this. Um, this is about when we both got back to the UK and moved to Bristol. Um, so we were trying to work out what different forms of inspiration and new perspective were out there and formed another model which had 16 different types. And we derived that, we ran interviews with about 30 people and captured about 200 turning points in people's lives and then broke those down to understand what sparked them off and what sort of thing what that was behind it. And from that, we generated our 16 types of inspiration. Um, one of those was subconscious exploration. Um, we ended up focusing on that after going out on the street and surveying a load of people to find out what all these different forms of inspiration meant to them. And something that really jumped out about subconscious exploration is people thought it could deliver a lot of value. It was really ranked really highly as to the value it should be able to deliver but virtually no one was achieving it no one was getting that value from it so that really led us into going okay what is subconscious exploration and how can we start delivering it to people on the luminate website there's a very thorough explanation of how it works lots of diagrams of brain scans and some science on there that's just way above my head so for listeners of this who are unlikely to all be engineers and scientists, could you explain a little bit about what's actually happening when you first use the app or the group experience light that you've got, we've got in the room with us at the moment? Um, yeah, how would you simplify the experience? Right from the start, we wanted to take a pretty strongly scientific viewpoint. Um, neither of us were neuroscientists, so we both started retraining and watching a load of videos and trying to understand what neuro was. And we ended up, after trying to understand what sort of states put people in a subconscious exploration state, so we read up on meditation, psychedelics, lucid dreaming, hypnagogia, which is those weird hallucinations you have just when you're falling asleep, that sort of semi-dream state, um, shamanic trances, all sorts. Anything that has a, an altered state with a scientific paper where people claim that they're exploring their thoughts differently, we looked into the neuro. And we built up a sort of design spec, I guess, of what the ideal brain state would be. We then set out trying to identify how we could achieve this design spec and how we could build these different parts of the, the sort of brain function up. And the core concept that we uncovered and started looking into was that of neural entrainment. So this is when you've got a signal which is turning off and on, and that causes your brain to start to synchronize to that. So as your brain sees this sort of on-off signal, it sends a message and starts to flash in that sort of same, in that same pattern. 
And that pattern then starts to spread and perforate throughout the brain, which allows you to start to sort of gently guide the brain waves towards certain frequencies or away from certain frequencies. Um, the core cool thing within that is we, put, we quieten down a section of the brain that's called the default mode network. Um, within deep medita meditative states, this is the part that quietens, and very notably within psychedelic states this part quietens. Um, as Michael Pollan puts it, this part of the brain is seen as the sort of conductor. Um, and it sort of, it's got, it has your sense of ego, your sense of self, and most signals sort of go through this part and get sort of moderated and conducted by it. As soon as this part quietens down, um, as back to Michael Pollan, he says, fire the conductor and let the orchestra play. So all these other parts of the brain start talking to each other in novel ways and start passing information differently. And all of a sudden you might be able to see an emotion um, or, and things like that as you get different colors coming through. Um, so that on a very basic level, so we're essentially using light um, and we also do a little bit with sound with it, but primarily light to guide the brain into this state. Um, the exact state we determined after months and months of our own EEG experiments um, we bought an EEG early on. Sorry, what's, uh, what's an EEG? An EEG is a device which you can use to measure people's brain waves. So you essentially put it on a bit like a helmet and it measures the small electrical impulses as neurons within your brain spark and talk to each other. Um, we were able to use this to really try and understand and dig into what this brain state is and help optimize it. Um, it was really, really interesting. We just before lockdown, we also went up to Imperial College and we were sharing our results with their Center of Psychedelic Studies. Um, and that was a really interesting meeting because it was quite, as we were brand, brand new to the neuroscience world, being stood there in front of the sort of world leaders in the space. And after we'd read all their papers and designed this off there, it was, yeah, a really interesting and nice experience to hear what they thought of it all. And hopefully we're gonna be doing some more collaborations with them going forwards. When we were planning this interview, I remember you were wanting to avoid the word psychedelic because the first place that someone hearing that word jumps to is drugs and like tripping and, you know, hallucinations and things that aren't conducive to relaxing and personal growth, as you say. But you do now use the word psychedelic. And I was wondering, you know, is that something you have to do whenever you speak to someone about it? Say, it's not drugs, but the word psychedelic is kind of the only word that really fits. So could you yeah, tell me a little bit how, how the experience is different from a drug-induced experience and also what the reaction has been since you've settled on using that word? In reality, when I spoke to you and still to a, an extent, um, we've been trying to find something. So the word psychedelic obviously carries a huge amount of baggage with it. Um, it's probably the best word to describe the state that the light puts you into, but we've been trying to find something that's either toned down, that tones down the word psychedelic or describes that experience without using it. And it's been a real battle and it's something that we're still working on. So if anyone out there has any, what, any great ideas of how we could express the psychedelic experience without the psychedelic, then great. Um, but the experience itself differs a little bit. So it's a lot more of a sort of deeply meditative state um, and it has a lot less of a sort of, 
I guess it feels a lot more under control and a lot more relaxed in that situation. And I guess part of that is the fact that it can be turned off instantly with the flick of a switch. Um, during the app experiences, people can turn their phone the other way. Or during our group experiences, which we hope to start running again soon in Bristol, um, we actually give out eye shades. So if it, at any point is too much for anyone, they can just put the eye shade down. And I think that is one of the sort of, I would say that the experience itself is probably somewhere between that of the deep meditation and the psychedelic experience but the fact that we've got that sort of off switch to it I think also adds a sort of different variation to it um, and also it's worth pointing out that going back to our initial vision of inspiring people all of our sessions both on the app and the group sessions are really targeted at personal growth so we've worked with psychedelic therapists to build a model that takes in intention setting where people look look at what sort of thing they might want to focus on and what they might get value out of from the experience and then also integration where we help people look at their experience and try and get the meaning from it and actually start really pushing it towards that personal growth cycle and personal growth point. I think now is probably a good point for us to take a little break and I'll shortly come back and explain what the experience is actually like for the first time. I've never done this before. Um, so yeah, back in a minute. There we go. I've, uh, I've experienced it. And it's not really like anything I've ever experienced previously. And I'm in a bit of a strange headspace at the moment. I feel like I completely zoned out for a, a while there. And the experience lasts 20 minutes. And it felt, I don't know, that you were explaining to me. I just said to Tom before we started recording again that that was a really odd thing to know because it felt like it was much shorter but it didn't feel abrupt so yeah so i sat down on the sofa and tom set up the group light prototype device in front of me and when your eyes are open it's just like it looks just like a strobe light i think is probably the easiest way of putting it and then uh you close your eyes and it starts to flash and you're seeing colors appear on the back of your eyelids and it very quickly goes from just like a light, like someone shining a torch in your eye and it suddenly changes to very kaleidoscopic and very detailed visuals on the back of your eyelids and it's colorful and textural and it changes so much throughout the thing. It's, you know, you're never staring at the same pattern for more than a few seconds and it's uh, very unusual and you're, you, it's, yeah, it's very like soothing, I would say, and very, you end up being quite introspective I found and the music you had on well that was was the only thing that um stopped me from thinking that the time was not really there I, you know you know what I mean like I felt like the the yeah the music anchored me a little bit with the time because I was sort of listening to that as well and then when it finished it was a really odd feeling it's like being quite abruptly woken up from a dream or something like that and I was like oh yeah I'm in someone's living room and I'm not actually miles away in my own head um yeah so if uh you're lucky enough to have the chance to experience it uh, on the full-size lighting unit when Tom makes those available more readily, then I definitely recommend it. So yeah, Tom, could you tell me a little bit about 
some different experiences that people have had and what's like the most common things people come out of it having said and yeah a little bit about other other people's experience with it yeah so i guess we've had really a whole range um we've had one girl very early on when we were doing some testing for it was the first time we ran a group with 15 friends um and one of them actually just started crying her eyes out like just streaming down her face and me and jay were looking over like is she okay does she want it to stop um but as i said earlier we have these um these eye shades that people can put over if they wanted to stop at any point so we we're just like okay let's just stay hands off um and actually it turns out it was very much happy crying that was going on afterwards and she just had this beautiful euphoric experience and she's we still ch chat to her about it now and it seems to have really positively changed sort of the course of her last few months and the way things have been going um Typically, the response would be, I think, pretty similar to as you described, this sort of multidimensional, sort of constantly shifting, fractally kaleidoscope of colours. Um, it's typically described as very sort of immersive. So people feel like they are sort of in this space. And some people actually start looking around it, which you can do, and you actually can look up and down and round and realise that this thing's kind of all around you. Um, other people actually start to reach these sort of more complex visual hallucinations that we talk about. Um, we've had examples, um, someone reported, for example, a hand reaching out of a fireplace and passing them a note um, and really specific detailed things. Um, I've had a couple myself using it at different points where it does all of a sudden you sort of step out of this sort of fractal world and it, and you are into a very real sort of situation. You can see things that are very recognisable and feel far more real. And um, those things come through that way. And that's something that we're particularly interested in and probably something that we're going to continue to try and work towards optimising more into because that's sort of a point where your brain is really starting to drive the experience as it enters a sort of more dreamlike state. Um, and that's something that, yeah, we want to have a look at. Um, pretty much everyone, in fact, during our tests, um, every single subject um, reported a drop in sense of ego um, and every single person reported a drop in sense of body. So not necessarily feeling that they are in their body as such, but just being more of an observer in this space. Um, and typically people also report, as we heard, that sort of reduction in sense of time as well. And a lot of this comes back to that default mode network part of the brain that I talked about earlier, where not only do you typically have your sense of self and your sense of ego, but this is also where you project forwards and where you look backwards in time. Um, it's really active during daydreaming, for example. And as that part of the brain starts to quieten down, you become far more present and your ability to sort of assess time forwards and backwards reduces. And you are very much at that point in time experiencing what's going on. Um, yeah, I think that probably covers the general response. And one thing we're particularly interested in looking at and analysing as well is when people have these sort of inspiring experiences where they have these moments where things change and today we didn't actually do the full intention setting exercises and the full integration exercises um, but these are the bits that we're working on in the apps and the group session so in the group session that we'll be relaunching in Bristol soon we actually do 20 minutes where people start focusing their attention towards things that should be important to their personal growth journey we have a 20 minute light experience that we ran today 
And then we actually have a 20 minute integration section afterwards where we help people process their experiences and relate them back to their intentions and back to their lives to help them use that as a spark of inspiration to start their, a personal growth cycle. It's time for you to choose your who's flying the plane hidden gem. So yeah, I think the particular thing that I'd like to pull to attention is a guy who's actually been supportive of this project, um, Ben Sessa. So he's a psychedelic psychiatrist who will soon be launching the UK's first psychedelic therapy centre. Um, he has dedicated a huge chunk of his life to trying to understand the sort of power that classic psychedelics, so psilocybin, LSD, um, substances like that can have on people's lives. Um, he was part of the very first UK thera um, therapeutic research project and has really been a driving force behind the psychiatric aspect of the UK's view on these psychedelic substances and these, these psychedelic things. And it's great news that in the last few months, he's both gained funding and permission to set up the world, the UK's first, sorry, um, psychedelic therapy centre, which will be in Bristol and will be opening in not that long to treat all kinds of psychiatric disorders. Um, his work's gone through alcoholism, um, depression, PTSD, all of these different areas, and definitely someone that you should have a read up on and check out because he's doing massive things for changing the way that we see psychiatric disorders. <laughs> All right, how can we get involved with what you do and support Luminate? And could you also tell us a little bit about how we can get our hands on the app as well? Okay, so yeah, pre-COVID, we were focused 100% on these group experiences. Um, we actually launched our very first group experience just before lockdown occurred. Um, we had a month booked out in the venue and we were going to be running them every week and we were almost fully booked for all the other weeks as well. We ran one and then lockdown meant we couldn't run anymore and we had to cancel them all. Um, so we will actually hopefully soon be reopening them in Bristol. Um, we're eyeing up potentially the 25th, so only in about a week's time. Um, and we're just waiting for more information to come out about what the rules are going to be at that point. And we're going to do a little bit of a survey of the people that we've had involved in the project and see what would make them feel comfortable or if they feel comfortable at the moment. Um, once COVID hit, we quickly realized that group sessions weren't exactly the thing in vogue at that point. Um, so we tried to quickly pivot and see what else we could do. Um, one idea we'd had from a long time ago was whether this could actually be put into a mobile phone app. So using the flashlight on the back of a phone to provide the sort of strobing at the frequencies that we determined from our research. Um, we jumped on that and we've been developing it all through lockdown. Um, we're now wrapping up alpha testing, so the first phase of testing on Android. Um, and we should be moving to beta testing on that in about a month's time. And then we'll be developing the iOS version to that sort of first level as well. Um, at the moment, if you want to access the app, you can only do so through our Patreon page. So we've used that to gather our, group, uh, gather our community and our group of testers together. Um, as I said, you can access it on Android right now through that and soon iOS. And hopefully in a few months time, we'll have it available on both devices to download as an, in a normal way um, and we'll be using a freemium model. So if you guys just want to check it out and see what it's all about, um, you should be, you'll be able to download it and try it for free and then decide whether you want to sign up to a subscription. All right, thanks a lot for talking to me, Tom. Uh, and I look forward to trying out the app. Yeah, thank you very much for, for coming and having a chat and I'm glad you enjoyed the experience. Mm -hmm.